are 60, 70, 80, 90 year, years here on earth is like a, I mean, it's nothing. It is just a flash mm. in the pan. I mean, I mean, it feels long. It's the longest thing we've done, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and those nights are, they could just be long. Um, but in the scope of eternity, it's, it's just, wow. it's a shot. And it holds the capacity to birth within us people more like Jesus. Welcome to the Follower Podcast, a place for conversations about following Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. My name is Matthew Lewis, and I am so glad that you are here. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Follower Podcast. It's so good to be in your ears again. And uh, this is the bonus episode I told you about in the series Into the Deep. Um, and on uh, the podcast today, we have Nathan Foster. Now, I didn't really know Nathan until today, but I had heard about him through uh, through our friend Trevor Hudson. And uh, Nathan is the Director of Community Life at Renovare. So he knows Carolyn, who you would have also heard in this series. And uh, I reached out to Nathan and asked him if he'd come uh, speak to us on the, on the podcast. And he very kindly made some time to do that all the way from Colorado. So welcome to the podcast, Nathan. Thank you, Matthew. So good to have you with us, man. And really excited just to just to chat to you in what was a bonus episode because uh, I actually thought that the last episode with a guy called Rich Hodge would kind of end off the series. And then uh, was just really grateful that that we could also uh, put you into this ladder. So just really grateful to have this conversation. Um, I wanted just to start, could you give us a little bit of a sense of yourself, your family, maybe where you're from, kind of growing up? Uh, give us a sense of who's Nathan Foster. Sure. <laughs> Do my best. <laughs> um, growing up, lived a lot of different places. Um, born in California, lived in Oregon, grew up in Kansas, Colorado, Kentucky, Michigan, Florida. And I'm sure I left one out. So a lot of different places, which is good in ways and awful in, in others. Um been married 27 years. I have two kids, 21 and 16. Um, do live in Colorado. Um, very, mm-hmm. very much enjoy mountains and walking, hiking, trees. Mm-hmm. Um, my background professionally as uh, a social worker and had a counseling practice for a number of years. And then went and taught social work at uh, two different universities for a dozen years. And then the last uh, five or six been working full-time with Renovari. Oh, fantastic, man. And I mean, you were saying you, your, your work with Renovari is a little bit hard to explain, but maybe just some, what are some of the key things that you do? And we'll talk a bit about it at the end of the podcast, but you have a podcast of your own as well. Yeah, I've been doing that for, I think there's like, 250 episodes or something yeah um but 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 the first bit (laughs) 
don't listen to the first hundred. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they've improved. <laughs> no, that's, that's and not. just to give uh, the audience a sense, I think the follow-up podcast is on something like episode 60. So we're very much talking to the big, the big brother here of podcasting. <laughs> oh, it's, I love doing it because I, I interview people and, and I love giving space to hear and learn from others. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And then there's another podcast I do called Friends in Formation, which mm-hmm. uh, two, other, two other friends, we answer listener questions and uh, do our best to listen and learn from each other. And that, that's been a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a number of different things for Navari, um, helping working with events and um, putting things together and leading things, uh, do some writing, do some teaching. Um, there's a project I've been involved with for a number of years called Fellowship of the Burning Heart. That's a long-term uh, community expression for folks who are wanting to go deeper in life with God. Um, oh, I'm sure I do other things, but uh, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and Nathan, I'm always interested to know, could you, I don't know, man, could you tell us a little bit about your friendship with Jesus? Um, if I had to ask you, just give us a little bit of your history with him. And, uh, and where are you now with him? How would you describe your friendship with him now? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. It's been a, a very interesting journey. Lots of um, I guess in a lot of ways, I'm I'm not where I started out, and and I think that's a good thing. Um, Okay, this is an interesting piece um, related to the topic. I mean, much of my um, life of faith, particularly in the last 10 or so years, uh, maybe even more than that, has has been kind of born out of suffering and um, finding God in that. Um, deeper and deeper, I guess it just, it's like, a, like the onion, just different expanses, sometimes quite wonderful, sometimes quite painful. Um, Hmm. I'm not really answering your question, Matthew, and, and I apologize. Uh, uh, it means a lot to me, and and uh, I ache. I, I, I ache for my friend, you know, eager to mm-hmm. um, be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe, maybe one way to think of it is... Um, the sparkly things in life have faded and I find myself um, caring less and less about the things I used to care about and um, caring more about um, being with God and, and Mm. um, being present to those in my life. Um, Yeah. It's been a good, journey i i i i like who i am and mm-hmm. and that has a large part to do with uh the years of um learning growing mm-hmm. beauty i think i'd say that beauty defines a lot of a lot of my uh faith life um, love beauty in all forms um, Yeah, I think I'll stop there, Matthew, if I can. (laughs) 
Maybe a, a few things that, uh, as you were just sharing, that I'd love to pull out or even pull on little threads there. Uh, and as much as you're comfortable to share, obviously. But um, one thing I was interested there was you talking about suffering being a sort of defining part of your friendship with Jesus. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Um, you also spoke about uh, uh, this idea of you're not where you were. Um, and then this idea of beauty, I wonder how that's changed. What did that look like before? You know, so maybe those three things, this idea of suffering, the fading of the glittering things, you know, um, and then you're not where you were. Where were you? Uh, and where are you now? How would you maybe compare those two things if you had to look back? What's changed? Um, and then beauty seems to be something that's just strong in your heart there. What, what stands out to you about beauty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and interestingly, I think all three are probably connected at, at some level. Um, I mean, I think I'll just start with suffering. I think suffering um, holds wonderful possibility. It also holds uh, possibility for destruction. Uh, we we get those choices. Um, I had a friend years ago. He gave me this phrase. He says, "Suffer well, suffer well." And and you know certainly there are suffering that um, another phrase I'll give is you know there's the dark night of the soul and and there's the dark night of the whole. That, that we dug for ourselves, uh, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's our own self-imposed suffering, uh, making life decisions that have consequences that hurt, right? So, there's certainly been my share of that. And, and then there's been suffering that's, that's found me. Um, yeah. And um, there's something about, you know, People will often quote the, the the kind of catchy Dallas phrase of you know where's God's address at the end of your rope, and and there's a lot to that. I mean, suffering takes us to a place where um, we give up. We 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 have no more words. Our uh, best efforts fail us, and um, I do think God is ever so uh, generous and um, pleased to meet us uh, in those places and to help um, forge in us potentially something good and um, and then move us uh, into um, a, a deeper sense of, and here's that word, beauty. That um, in, in in suffering you learn to appreciate um, good things and beautiful things in you know in nature in people in experiences and um, and in, in God. I, I think I've learned to not fear suffering in the same way I used to. I think I've learned to um, view it as a friend of sorts. And uh, you know, an unwelcome friend, but uh, a friend that's that's there. <laughs> um, and I think it's part and parcel with being human. I mean, I don't, and I don't want to over overplay it. But if you look historically throughout history of humankind, um, people have suffered and uh, considerably, and people continue to suffer. And uh, I I think that I'm I'm a victim of uh, television 
<laughs> and I'll unpack that. Um, I grew up thinking, you know, I had a worldview based on Leave it to Beaver and other television shows that uh, I grew up with of what life should be like. And, and then when it wasn't, um, uh, that was quite concerning, particularly because from a faith perspective, oftentimes um, in, in our Christian culture, at least in the States, there's not a lot of space for suffering. Um, and people aren't necessarily, uh, people sometimes view it as uh, a lack of faith or, uh, you know, um, something uh, to, uh, that, that, that's, that's somehow bad uh, or, or reflects, you know, something gone awry in our relationship with God, uh, as opposed to an, an invitation of sorts, um, an invitation to find God in the midst of that. You see that in the Psalms. You see that all through scripture. Mm. A friend of mine sent me a picture actually yesterday that I'm looking at right now. And, and he prefaced it with, it is, it's his favorite picture of um, crucifixion. And, and it's from a chapel, I think he said in Georgia somewhere. Uh, and, and it's almost offensive it's, it's Jesus on the cross, looking up to the side, uh, towards heaven of sorts, and there's this subtle smile on his face, almost to the point of offensive. There's a person dying in a horrific way, right? Mm-hmm. A suffering many of us will never know, um, yet this almost contented look and and I think I mean it's messing with me. Like I said, I just got it yesterday, right. but I, I, I yeah. found myself very drawn to it. And and I think that's a posture I want to hold is not being controlled by um, the, the normal suffering that finds us in life, and for some of us more so than others. Um, and not be afraid of it, uh, not be controlled by it, but uh, eyes pointed in a good direction, being honest. But finding um, finding God in that, and I think that's what I see in this in the picture of this uh, in this statue. Um, it it's beautiful <laughs> in a in a in a way I'm hopeful to unpack in the coming weeks. I think that that brings me to a thought that I had while you were talking. You know, you speak about the realities of suffering. And in the same sentence, you talk about the generosity of God. And um, you speak about how God is so generous and how um, in the last few years, your life has had such a real presence of suffering. And in a lot of um, places, that would seem like a contradiction in terms, a generous God and the realities of suffering. I'm wondering how you reconcile those two things. How have you experienced the generosity of God in the midst of your suffering? That's a good question. Um, and, 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 and 
un, there's a um, unsettled conversation that God and I have, uh, unsettled on my part, uh, as, as to why God seems to put up with such um, hell on earth. <laughs> yeah. You know, for many people. Uh, daily existence is, is hell uh, and um, with with little hope on this side of heaven and we can think of you know folks in Ukraine right now and what they're experiencing and the terror and and um, for many it's it's just going to end in death I, I, I suspect so it's a it's an unfinished conversation and one that um, sometimes becomes quite lively <laughs> between <laughs> between me and God, uh, and yeah. uh, many times I'm not very pleased <laughs> with mm. his his choices to uh, not intervene. <laughs> um, so there's that, and I and I, I, in a sense, I'm okay with the tension, um, mm. partially because I think it's born out of uh, a. Part of it is born out of my f- seeking to follow Jesus because um, of wanting goodness for others and wanting life and peace and kindness and wanting love to have its way. So there's something good, I think, in the, in the struggle, and, and we'll go round and round on that. Um, in terms of generosity, um, hmm. I think maybe some of it is is getting to experience uh, things beyond my own abilities or capacities, um, finding myself able to show up uh, f- for life and for others um, uh, in in the midst of significant pain, and so there's a, a gratitude there. Um, And, and I'll go back to beauty, right? Feeling um, uh, God's uh, invitation to beauty in the midst of suffering and, and just rolling around in that and finding good where you can find it and mm. um, living into God's smile. Uh, and and holding holding those two tensions together, yeah. I'm glad you asked the question. I'm I'm going to work with it for a while because I I do mm. see God as extremely generous, but um, also um, God confuses me. <laughs> um, yeah. Does doesn't do things the way I, I wish He would or right. would if I were Him? But I don't know what I don't know, you know. I don't know. And I think I, I was I was recently thinking about uh, Thomas, who you know he gets the unfortunate label as, of doubting Thomas, <laughs> but uh, I don't know I don't know if that's fully fair to him when you look at when you look at him throughout the Gospels. I think maybe I would I would just reframe him as honest honest Thomas, you know, um, <laughs> because I, there's that one place where you know Jesus says I'm the way and the truth and the life. 
And before that is a conversation about where he's going. And then Thomas is the one where, you know, when everybody else is probably just smiling, you know, you know, when you're in a class and like a teacher says something and everyone knows that nobody knows what the teacher's talking about, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but everyone yeah, just he asks the questions like everybody has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And then, and then Jesus is like, I'm going to this place. And I'm pretty sure all the other disciples are like, we have no idea what's going on. But Thomas is the one who goes, we don't know where you're going. How how are we going to possibly follow you? You know, and then I think I see that thread again in the space. Where it's like, man, I don't. I think Thomas is honest. He's like, I don't know if I can believe unless I put my hands in the in the scars. You know, and then you in church history we read about how Thomas goes on to be martyred for his faith. You know, taking the gospel into India. So so it's not that Thomas didn't believe. It's not that Thomas necessarily was doubting Thomas, although he did doubt. I think Thomas was honest, Thomas, and I just appreciate what you're talking about there, this idea of you are living in the tension and, and sometimes what feels like the juxtapositions of, I don't understand these things, God, and why don't you stop the war in Ukraine? But at the same time, I know and have experienced you to be incredibly generous, and I would still describe you like that. And there's, there seems to be... Um, a mystery to all that, which then I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so maybe clarify this or, or you know, let's talk a bit about that. Because when you talk about beauty, I, I mean, so much of my heart agrees with that. I think what happens for me is that when I live in the tension of those things, it forces me out into the mystery. And, and so for me, beauty and mystery, they kind of, they're, they're really close friends. And so I, th I think, you know, when you spoke about, you, you, your friendship with Jesus and how you were one way and now you're another. I think maybe in my own journey, how I would look at that is I would, a, a big descriptor I would use for my early friendship with Jesus was certainty. Uh, there, were, there was just a, uh, the boxes were very clear. <laughs> I knew who was in and who was out, who was going where and how. I had just such a sense of, I thought I knew how it all worked. And although I feel like I've definitely grown in intimacy with Jesus, um, that intimacy has has not necessarily meant more certainty. In fact, it's meant more mystery. But for me, mystery and beauty are such such uh, bedfellows, real real friends. Does that relate in some way to what you're describing? And that's yes. Well done. <laughs> I like that. I love that. Yes, because that early years of faith was black and white, in and out, good, evil, I and mean, everything was just so clear and what a comfort i mean that's just there's something <laughs> just really easy uh about that and um richard Rohr, this book falling upward talks about how you know it's important to build those boxes you gotta you gotta mm -hmm. and and then it's also important to tear them down and realize there's a lot of gray and there's a lot of mystery Right. Mm. Yeah. I almost could define the, you know, back the last half of my Christian life with that word mystery um, mm. and, and leaning into that, not having to worship the God of certainty or, you know, my God, my idol of certainty um, of, because I want that. It's just, it's easy. It's safe. There's something, mm. but it's not true. I mean, there are truths for sure, and and mm. truths that have a certainty to them. Um, but God describes themselves as mystery, and mm. and beauty in the mystery. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an Enneagram four. And one okay. of our gifts is, is that is finding, you know, beauty in sadness and in grief. And, and, and it's, it's a good thing when I keep it in its place. <laughs> um, right. Um, right. Yeah, that's good. But it is, I mean, it is that idea of, I mean, anyone who's listening now, if you've ever, if you've ever stood in front of a painting, for example, like that really took your breath away, you know, and maybe you've had an experience like this, Nathan, that you could maybe tell us about. But I mean, the point of beauty is not to make a point, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the, 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 point, the point of beauty is an experience. The point of beauty, it draws us into something. When you stand in front of that painting in the Louvre uh, that so many feet have stood in front of, generations and generations before you and you just um you just behold it the eyes the idea is not to walk away with like um with a thesis <laughs> you know the idea is the idea is that you get caught up in ex, in an experience uh, it's the same as like true of a symphony you you listen to like here in south africa we have the johannesburg philharmonic uh, orchestra and i went and i listened to them for the first time and Man, it, it was so funny actually because I didn't know that that uh, orchestras have movements and that there's like times when you're supposed to clap. And I didn't know that. Ooh. So after the first movement, I was so like caught up in the beauty of it. I just jumped up and I started applauding. And ah. everyone looked at me and they were like, "You're obviously not from around here." You're <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's that's, that's beauty. Like beauty doesn't always end in in five steps to this or five points to that or seven thing you know beauty is it just catches you in something and so for me that that's where mystery and beauty happen and i think when you know when you talk about the tension of this loving god and the reality of suffering and me hitting the wall or coming to the end of my rope sometimes what fades real quick is the clean cut answers and so now what i'm left with is is the mystery would you relate to that in some way i think that's so good that is so good. I mean, one thing that feels like a certainty about God is this incredible intent, um, not intent, this uh, God is always making good out of bad. Like, mm. and, and I don't mean clean, tidy, although I'm all for that, but um, I, I just... God is just really, really good at creating beauty from death, life from death, mm -hmm. beauty in the ashes. Mm -hmm. And um, and you see that. You don't have to look too far from that before that. Now, that doesn't um, somehow, you know, it's not a scale of weight that, you know, this makes it okay or something. Um, um, but, but I love that about God, that God does that and then also can enlarge our capacity to be in that great right, question. Yeah. What is the, what is the point of beauty? I'm, I'm, I'm eager to work with that in the coming months. <laughs> My knee jerk is probably where you're at of to just be with, we can't control it. We can't box it up. Um, we can't manufacture, um, but we can uncover, discover, we can find, we can be in, and we can marvel and and let it lead us to worship. Yeah. Let it take us, take us, take us back, you know, take us to the 
author, creator, sustainer of beautiful things mm-hmm. uh, and, mu- and music, art, right? Right. You see these things and you, it, it, when, when, when I think I'm, I'm fully being myself or fully human, um, these things move me to tears in the best way. And right. I love that when you see something so beautiful that your only response is, is, is to, is tears, good tears. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love finding beauty and I love finding it in people. And, and you see that you don't have to scratch very far from someone in someone's life who's gone through tremendous suffering to find something really beautiful. Uh, right. It's it, it's in there, uh, and, and or you, you know, for many, you find something <laughs> bitter, and you know, mm. there, there's always that choice. I mean, we, our suffering mm. does not have to make us better. It was a phrase that make you bitter, better, um, right. and and many right. people go down that road, um, and and I can, I've I've spent time on that road myself. Um, yeah. But beauty's good. Isn't that interesting that there are things that we 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 can both just look at and and it, there's just a truth in that that it's mm. beautiful and why <laughs> there's a right. mystery and, and what do we do with it? And I think for me it's just to lean in and to smile and to take that piece of goodness and um, let it take me to worship. Right. And I think, you know, when you talk about that, the thing that comes to my mind is um, I think about the Roman soldier who is standing at the cross of Jesus in his, in his crucifixion. And I try and put myself in the shoes of a Roman soldier. And I think to myself, this man is like, this is, this is his job, right? I mean, he wakes up every day and he, he crucifies people. So I don't like as hard as that is, I think in reality, he's been dehumanized to a point where, I don't know, the, the blood and the gore of it all are maybe not as uh, disturbing to someone like that as they may be to us. And yet in the crucifixion of Jesus, there's something that he sees that makes him say, surely this is the son of God, you know? And I, and that's why for me, you know, when we talk about beauty, I think the cross of Jesus is a lot of things. I think it's awful. I think it's tragic. And I think it's beautiful, you know. And I, um, but it, but it is that kind of beauty that's that's hidden in the midst of of deepest suffering. And yet, so so here's this soldier who's able to look on, and he's able to see something, and he gets caught up in something. It moves something in him, you know. And I'm careful there because I don't I don't want to oversimplify anybody's suffering. You know, it's it's always easy for us to, you know. Uh, think about these things and talk about these things, but it doesn't always feel like that when you're in it. But I think, you know, Paul talks about how we have a fellowship with God in our suffering. Um, and there's something in that, in that we don't need, we don't, don't need to behold beauty, but we become partakers uh, and participants in beauty 
depending on how how we'll steward our suffering, I guess. Uh, what do you think about that thought? I'm, I'm learning, Matthew. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the, this is a great question about the the Roman soldier. <clears throat> I sometimes will think about people who I don't know what your slaughterhouses are like in South Africa, but 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 in the states they're horrific. And um, I sometimes think about what would it take to be able to slaughter animals in, in an inhumane way day in, day out, what would you have to sever? Mm. Um, but gosh, if your job is to crucify people, oh man, how would you sleep at night? You know? So yeah, this is a person who, I mean, my guess is it for to, to be able to do that for any length of time. I mean, you, you, you're moving into some scary personality disorder to be able to shut off right. that part of you. So, to have right. that moment of, oh, this is different. Wow. <laughs> a, 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 a potentially a hardened person to the worst to be able right. to do that, right. do that work day in, day out and still be able to survive. Not, not, yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. That's really, really good. I forgot the second part you're talking about. I got lost <laughs> on that one. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, ju I just think sometimes how how there is a beauty for us to behold, but then mm. also how we participate in the creation of beauty mm -hmm. in terms of, mm -hmm. of how we steward our suffering. And again, I want to say that so carefully because, you know, I, 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 in my own experience now with my grief of my dad, I, you know, I don't know how um, cognizant I've been of, of my stewardship of my suffering. You know, like sometimes, sometimes suffering it just comes on you like like a tidal wave, and then you, I don't know. So there's seasons where you just want to keep your head above water, but I, and I think there's grace for that. I think God meets us in that. But then I also think, and you've said it a few times in our conversation today, it's like we get a choice. You know, the choice is given to us is to. I guess whose hands will put that suffering in and will we, will we choose to trust or will we go down the road of bitterness and cynicism? And I, and, and so that moves me to this idea of stewardship of um, if Jesus is right, if in this world we will have trouble, um, then part of the choice we have before us is how we'll steward that trouble. And is there a way that we can steward our suffering that produces a kind of beauty through our lives, much like Jesus did, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great question that's a great question and how do we steward it and there is you know there are there are wounds that leave scars you know there are ways that we're affected by what we've seen experienced felt lost that that seems to won't heal this side of 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 eternity hmm. yeah how do we steward it you know you, you you earlier you asked me about my work my life and such and an answer internally that that i i say to myself i don't necessarily say it out loud is that i want to make beauty like I want the things I do to be 
uh, you know, whether I'm teaching or writing or just talking with a friend, I, I want to, I want to make beautiful things, you know. Mm. Mm. Could you tell us a story of a time when, um, I just love this theme that we've kind of picked up in our discussion here of this idea of the realities of suffering, the realities of God and his nature, the collision of those things in a fallen world and how that pushes us out into mystery and beauty. I wonder if you can think of a time in your life when you have experienced that movement, when you've been in the, in the midst of something, of a suffering, and carried the conviction of the goodness of God, but there were no easy answers. There was no, no, no simple certainty there. And, how, and, and was there a moment that pushed you out, I guess, into mystery and beauty? And what did that look like? What did that feel like? Almost as a way of encouragement to the person who's listening right now and finds themselves in that exact position. So, so maybe there's someone listening. I, I just get a sense. Maybe there's a person listening who's like, you know, philosophically speaking, I, I can hear everything that you guys are saying. And, and it sounds like a nice idea that there would be a way we could steward our suffering, that we could both behold and participate in the beautification of the world. You know, that's, that's a grand thesis. Um, <laughs> but I, but I'm, in it, I'm in it right now. I wonder if you could maybe share a story that would meet someone in that place. The story that comes to mind is, is not a specific, but, but an overarching picture of sorts. Um, I mean, I mean, there's a point where suffering is, we're very out of control and, and it isn't necessarily something to be, we can manage get over, go through is maybe more accurate. I've been observing that, and this would be the story, kind people, empathetic people, people who have the capacity to walk through life with others, those are people who've suffered. Mm. Um, you, you, you can see people who've experienced tremendous trauma have an empathy and understanding for others like no one else, particularly if they've healed to some capacity. So the story I would just say is, I mean, so much of my professional work, and I, again, this is something I rarely say out loud, but um, so much of it is born out of my own suffering um, in, in terms of being honest, in terms of seeing other people, in terms of caring for people, that's all a fruit from that. Um, and that's not something you can create, you can make happen. It's not something you, you would even recognize, others might recognize, or, or maybe years after. Um, but there is that piece that those who have uh, suffered, they you, you, you can, uh, I mean, I felt it with you this as we before we began recording, right? you mentioned about your dad, and and I just felt like there's a depth in this guy, and there's an empathy in this guy that's been forged in that fire. Um, so I mean, the stories—they're not clean. I guess I, I, I have to think about that. I don't know that I have one off, off, offhand. Um, 
other than to say people that, that whose qualities and characteristics I admire considerably um, behind that is a sort of suffering. Don't want to glamorize it, glorify it. Certainly don't want to go right, looking for right. it. Um, but it, 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 it's, it's reliable. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll often think of silence uh, and solitude as reliable. Uh, that mm-hmm. when I go into silence and solitude, there, there's something's going to happen <laughs> uh, to some level, and and that's uh, part of suffering. This free fall, this I have no control, and these desires and longings that just these itches that will not be scratched. Like there's a there's just a on your knees prostate on the floor like there's there's just something so uh, just holds the capacity and I think too like I don't want to prescript things you know like these are um, it's it's not clean and certainly not something to be you know spiritualized away (laughs) Mm. I think maybe if I if I think back over our conversation, maybe a few threads I'm picking up would be to say that what we're both acknowledging in our different journeys, and this may be helpful for the person who's listening, is that um, number one, suffering is an inevitability. <laughs> uh, we are going to suffer, and that when we suffer in various ways, shapes, and forms, it's a very disorienting, uh, disorientating experience. There's a messiness to it all, and that that's okay. That that's that's common. Uh, I would want to, I guess, comfort that person to say, if that's what you're experiencing, if you're feeling like you're a little bit in um, a washing machine at the moment, that's that that's kind of how it feels. <laughs> and so, so you know, there's you're not alone in that, and. Another thing that we are saying is that when when a lot of, um, I guess, your convictions, ideas of how the world works and how God works, I see I see this even in the story of Job, right? And it's so interesting to me the other day I was reading Job, and Job opens and it says, I've never seen this before, but it says that Job would sacrifice regularly to God in case any of his kids had sinned. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and it, and in that it just it it shows me Job's worldview. Like he really thought, along with all of his friends, that how this works is I do something and God does something, and I do something and God does something, and if I just mm-hmm. hold up my end, then God holds up His end. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then something like yeah. right, and then and then and then suffering happens and it breaks all those boxes and you don't understand. And I would just want to say to that person who's listening, that's also normal. Like so, so if you're finding yourself with doubt and questions, and the things that used to be so clear aren't, uh, you're not alone. Like that's okay. And mm-hmm. then I would say maybe the final thing I'm seeing us talk about is that there's the potential in that place of um, disorientation and uncertainty and suffering. Uh, 
for God to meet you mm-hmm. and lead you through into the mystery of beauty. There's a possibility that that could happen. Would you would you agree that that kind of pulls on some of the main themes we've been discussing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. You know, my favorite part of Job is is the um, wh- where were you, little man? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, <laughs> where <Yeah>. were you? <laughs> I, I find that so comforting. Right. <laughs> Which is weird to say. It's like uh, I don't have to have all the answers. I I don't mm-hmm. have to, you know. And hmm. I remember uh, early in my career at the university, I, I always enjoyed my colleagues that were towards the end of their career. Um, and particularly, I saw this in women, um, where like there was this like I don't care, like good workers did a wonderful job, amazing teachers. I mean, nothing there, um, but there was this sense of like I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not trying to impress. I got nothing to prove. Like, and I just there's something I love about that. Just focus of what matters and what doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. in, in that and you brought up a really good point moving away from a transactional relationship with god is so good <laughs> and i mean that's just it it, yeah. it, it, it yeah. i love the tidiness of i do a god does b you know and if i'm doing all this stuff yeah. then god will somehow you know smile and make him love me and give me a cookie or you know some nonsense like that mm-hmm. um, and it it checks with our theology when you know when we've done well or done right or tried to uh, pursue God and then things don't work out like we wanted or expected them to, um, and that just you know again opportunity right that can take you to you know forget this I want nothing to do with it God doesn't make sense um, or, or I'm a bad Christian or whatever or it can take you you know don't let up on the questions. <laughs> Keep yeah, digging, keep yeah, asking, totally. keep wrestling, you know. Um, I I did have something that I wanted to share. Um, it's the, I mean, that, that kind of, I think it's really important for Christians to at some point really wrestle with the question about why God does seem to allow suffering. And, and I can, I can work with that theologically. I mean, I, I kind of understand the, uh, some of the pieces to that, but a piece, God brought forth a piece that I, it's the only thing I've found. Now that's too strong of a statement. Um, it's something I've found helpful and it's uh, eternity in the scope of eternity. So to, to say that Matthew in 10,000 years, you, you and I might be talking about our podcast today, right? Like that's a very, that's a reality that I think we could lean into. Um, yeah. In 10,000. So in the scope of 10,000 years, our 60, 70, 80, 90 year, years here on earth is like a, I mean, it's nothing. 
it is just a flash mm. in the pan. I mean, I mean, it feels long. It's the longest thing we've done, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and and those nights are they could just be long, um, but in the scope of eternity, it's it's just wow. it's a shot. You know, it's getting a needle. You got your vaccine. It's just a shot. It hurts. You know, and there's and and it holds the capacity to birth within us people more like Jesus. I mean, I mean, I think if I could have, you know, prior to coming here, looked at this, all right, Nate, you're going to go here this many years, you're going to experience this stuff. But in that, it's going to forge something in you, who you're becoming that you will live into for the next 10,000, 100,000 years. Wow. Would you go? Yeah. yeah. I kind of think I would, you know, Right. I kind of think I would. So that has been helpful for me of sorts uh, uh, to think about. doesn't necessarily help in the night when the tears don't stop. <laughs> mm, mm. But uh, uh, it's something to lean into, maybe. And I think, um, you know, when it comes to something as complex as suffering, that's not only philosophically complicated, but is um, it's so close to the heart. I mean, this stuff—it's it, just—it's real. I mean, this is flesh and blood stuff. Yeah, this is not—it's not just up in the air. I don't—I don't know if there are any easy answers. In in a way, I think everyone's got to work walk their own path through the woods. You know. But I do think that what we can offer people is some signposts along the way. Um, and I think what you, like what you've just said, it's not, a, it's not now a categorical answer to suffering, but it's a really, it's a really helpful signpost. You know, in those nights when, when things are heavy and the tears are coming and there's the hole in the stomach, I can remember uh, in light of eternity you know, in light of eternity. And that might just be a signpost I need that'll shine enough light just to take another step, you know. And I and I think that navigating that path through the woods for any one of us, one signpost will never be enough. We're gonna need a multiplicity of those, you know, we need <laughs> we need we need a lot of signposts along the way. Because for some of us that path is very long and windy um and dark, you know. But uh just to, yeah, just to thank you and encourage you for that thought. I think that's a really, for me personally, even as you speak, it's a really helpful signpost always to remember that, you know, we're, we're not only wrestling with this thought or idea for the sake of our wholeness now, but this is an eternal issue, you know, this, this has eternal consequence um, and eternal promise, which is also wonderful, you know. Um, I think it's I think it's so helpful for me to remember that the, the story doesn't end like this. You know, is it, I have a right. I have I have a I'm a person of hope. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, there's a, a phrase that I really like, and it's it's grief is the tax we pay for love, something like that. Sure. Sure. Right. You loved your dad and it was a good experience. To, right. However, mm. and, and, and this is the tax. <laughs> it hurts. Um, 
One piece that that uh, I, I would want to highlight is is community and others. That yeah. Um, yeah. as a signpost, you know uh, how how beautiful it is when others can meet us there. Now we can meet others in suffering. Just the gift of getting to just cry with another human being, the mm-hmm. gift of getting to ache over what they ache over. I mean, that's just gospel stuff. I mean, that's just, I mean, I just, just Jesus all over that. Um, right. And, and, and with that, that we're not alone, you know, the, um, um, my work as a counselor and some folks with trauma and this doing trauma treatment and um, um, having asking the question, where is God in that? And repeatedly um, seeing people have these very profound experiences of um, God being in the room, God being uh, in, in, as they, you know, mentally revisit the trauma um, and, and, and in really beautiful ways. I don't know if any of that's making sense, but there is a reality happening, though I don't feel it most of the time. But the reality is, is when we're in those spaces of great suffering, that um, and God is with us. There's, right. There's, right. Jesus weeps with us. And mm. um, that's not comfort most of the time, but um, whether it is or not, it's, it's a reality there. Mm. Mm. But others, I need you, <laughs> right? Like when I'm in that space, it forces me uh, on good days to reach out to other people and offer them a gift. And nobody wants right. to, uh, right? You pick up the phone. Oh, I'm sorry, putting you out. But hey, could we hang out and talk or whatever? Um, uh, you potentially give a gift to that person because they get the opportunity to be in that holy, sacred space that you're in mm. um uh, uh, yeah so it, it has a potential to birth community in deep deep and profound ways i i don't know that there's any other way to find that mm. kind of brotherhood sisterhood love mm. <laughs> yeah and i think pod part of what you're talking about there is that, you know, true community requires true humility. There's a, um, if I can't be seen, it's very hard for me to see. It's very hard. Uh, it's very hard for us to truly connect. I think one of the illusions <clears throat> of our age is the illusion of self-sufficiency. You know, when, um, you know, when how you're going to have your Starbucks coffee is the biggest issue in your day it's easy to kind of live into the illusion of the self is enough. But I think what we've been seeing around the world is, is the massive deconstruction of that thought. I mean, you think about lockdowns and people being, you know, bound to their homes and very quickly we started to realize that actually us is a concept we've taken massively for granted in the Western world. Like, and there was this kind of, you know, this, this yearning from the depths of people for one another and so when we talk about the beauty that can come out of our hardship, I guess maybe when one of the one of the rays of light 
that we could possibly find in some of the shadows of suffering would be um, that that maybe maybe I come to a point of weakness where I admit my need for others, you know, and 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 maybe then I I let some people in, um, and maybe I discover humanity there, and maybe God, you know. Uh, one of the real tragedies to me of the pandemic, um, and I don't know what it was like in South Africa, but at least here, um, that held the potential to bring people together in some really significant mm-hmm. and beautiful ways. Um, and it didn't <laughs> at all. Yeah. And I think it speaks yeah. to yeah. our capacity to live in reality. That, that sure. I, I think personally for many people, the grief was so significant that they couldn't touch it and went to anger or wow. uh, denial. Wow. Um, wow. Whereas, man, what a missed opportunity to love each other well. Um, and uh, it really breaks mm. my heart because it, it could have been extremely profound culturally and, and the church could have led the way. Um, but Living in reality is hard and denial is <laughs> denial works. It works in a lot of our mm. suffering until it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's also another thing to just acknowledge again for the people listening. This is hard. You know, none of what we're talking about is easy. <laughs> none of, none no, of what we're talking about. It's not easy to is, listen is to. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would assume this is not an easy one to listen to, right? Like, uh, yeah. important, helpful for some, but, you know, uh, it is hard and we don't like to do hard things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got a good That's suffering no quote. Oh, yes, yes, go ahead. Uh, um, and I don't know exactly the accuracy of all this. I haven't looked it up, but I love the idea. And uh, apparently um, when there's a storm coming, animals behave differently. Um, some will run from it. Some will uh, hide and, you know, protective. And apparently buffaloes run into it. The, uh, they faced it and run straight through it. And, and the idea is let's just get through this as fast as we can. And uh, my wife wow. often used this phrase of be the buffalo, <laughs> face the hard <laughs> thing, front on, run towards it, get through it, right? Uh, uh, rather than hide, rather than run away, be the buffalo. Let's find that mm. phrase helpful. As we end our conversation, which I, I could I could just talk for it forever. This is such a, a rich conversation. Um, I wondered if you know if there was maybe one thing, if you had a a moment. So you imagine the audience in our minds here, whoever's listening into this, that we've said a lot of stuff. And you know, that's fine. Different things are gonna land with different people in different ways, and that's great. But if you had a moment just to maybe sit across the table from someone and, and and they're going through their own space of suffering uh, what word of encouragement could you maybe share with them how, how, how would you 
I don't know. How would you carry Jesus to them in that mo in that moment? I I just be with them. Hmm. I don't. There's just no easy answers, and our well-intended encouragement can do great damage. Hmm. I, I, I just find I don't have answers, but I, I find being willing to be with another in that an answer <laughs> hmm. Hmm. to give someone the space. To go there, to go to some of those um, painful questions or doubts. Um, I, I've the Rembrandt painting of the prodigal son. The story has really moved me. And years ago, I got this idea that you know the goal is not to be the you know prodigal. Sure, great. Uh, older brother pharisee right? i want to be like the father the person who waits by the fence for others who aches and suffers for others that feels like spiritual mm. formation to me becoming wow. people who have the capacity to suffer with others not in a masochistic wow. not in you know but but offering it, it's sitting at the feet of jesus at the cross could we stay <laughs> you know could we be there can we be there with another? Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's wonderful. Mm. Nathan, thank you so much for being on the follow-up podcast. Thank you, Matthew. This was, <laughs> this was good. Good for my soul today. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I um, always want to give an opportunity for you to let people know um, where they could, I know that you've written some books, um, anything like that, where people could see some of your work. Um, yeah, sure. So um, I've written two books. First one's called Wisdom Chaser, Finding My Father, 14,000 Feet. And it's about my friendship with my dad and how our journey of climbing mountains together in my 20s. Second book is story of my 30s, um, um, uh, The Making of an Ordinary Saint, My Journey from Frustration to Joy with the Spiritual Disciplines. And it's a mm. four-year experiment of mine of living intensely and intentionally into uh, 12 different spiritual practices. Um, and, and then yeah, you mentioned the podcast um, and then some, some other writing on the Renovare website. Great. Well, guys, we'll have all those links in, in the show notes if you're interested in any of that. And uh, thank you so much for coming with us on this journey through um, understanding suffering as much as we can. And I really hope that the conversations have been helpful for you. And I hope that in some way you've, you've been found by Jesus and have taken at least a few steps with him uh, into the deep. And uh, just, yeah, keep watch for the next series that'll, that'll be on the podcast. Uh, but until then, just bless you and strength to you as you as you go on this journey. And and Nathan, thank you so much for for the conversation. I really was so encouraged by our chat today. You're welcome. Um, 
bring me on for the the, the joy series that's coming next. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, well, well done for 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 doing this, right? Like this is not an easy topic to spend a lot of time, uh, yeah. uh, but so so important. So well, uh, mm. yeah, that's good. Glad to be with you, Matthew. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. We'll chat to you soon. <laughs>